Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It on WNYC. I'm Allison Stewart. And this hour, we're discussing the issues kids and teens are facing in the current moment. Anxiety, uncertainty about the future, and how to process the upcoming presidential election. And we're going to stay on topic and turn our attention to homeless and unhoused minors, specifically a group policymakers call, quote, unaccompanied homeless youth. As our next guest writes in her new book, If You See Them, Young, Unhoused, and Alone in America, these children, quote, have separated from their parent or guardian to escape abuse or neglect. They are not safe at home, and they live independently because their entire family is scattered, indigent, or chronically homeless. They have no parent figure, no advocate. They are children who must make adult decisions. For these kids, the bureaucracy of government aid, banking, and employment can lead to really impossible situations. A 17-year-old can't order a new birth certificate to replace the one her abusive parents are holding hostage without the permission of those parents, which means she can't attain any form of official ID. That's just one of the examples from Vicki Sokolik's book. Sokolik is the founder of the Florida-based organization Starting Right Now, which connects homeless teenagers with housing and other services since 2007. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Listeners, we can bring you into this conversation if you are or ever were a homeless or unhoused youth or if you work with unaccompanied homeless youth. We'd like you to join the conversation. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. If you faced homelessness or were on your own as a teenager, we'd love for you to share your story. If you don't have anything to share that you don't want to, but just want to check in, we'd love to hear how you're doing, what helped you in the situation. Or if you're more on the social worker side of this conversation, call in and tell us what challenges you have seen working with homeless and unhoused youth. 212-433-9692. 212-433-WNYC. You may call in and join us on air. You can text us at that number. Our social media is available as well at all of it WNYC. Vicki, I want to give out a helpline for folks who are going through this in our area. There's an organization called NYC Teaches, the New York State Technical and Educational Assistance Center for Homeless Students. They have a helpline for navigating something called the McKinney-Vento eligibility. Would you explain what McKinney-Vento is? Yes, McKinney-Vento is actually national legislation that helps the student achieve all their educational goals and make sure that they have transportation to get to school. Um, It is one of the only national legislations that's for unaccompanied homeless youth. That number is, that helpline is 800-388-2044. 800-388-2014. NYC teaches McKinney-Vento helpline. You can call if you're a homeless teen and you need some assistance or need some assistance navigating the world without a guardian. 800-388-2014. In your book, you make the point that these a lot of these kids are hiding in plain sight that they are kids who are in clubs, they are in kids who are in school, and sometimes they're in clubs because they want to stay late, because they can stay at school for longer. It's a safe place for them to be. What are some other ways that these kind of children in this situation, these children in this situation, let me be clear, that they are hiding in plain sight? Well, take Courtney as an example, someone who's featured in our book. 
And she was living on a park bench and had joined the lacrosse team because she knew that that's how she could shower. You know, the kids survive. They're incredibly intelligent and inspirational. They're going to figure out every single way to survive. Why do or how do stereotypes of what a, quote, homeless or unhoused kid is or looks like impact how we can help them and how society can help them? You know, before I started working with these youth, I if somebody would have said to me that a kid got kicked out of their home or a kid left their home, I, I would have immediately thought, bad kid. I can tell you that that's not the case at all. What I would say is, bad hand. The kids inherit inequities through no fault of their own. And we help them reshuffle their deck. But if they do not have some sort of intervention, mm -hmm. then they really don't are, are not able to go forward with their education. And so it's really important that we see them. There's an important distinction between youth experiencing homelessness and unaccompanied youth experiencing homelessness. Why is that designation important in terms of kids getting assistance or aid? So an unaccompanied youth is actually a term for a student that is not with their parent or guardian and not eligible for foster care because they left home versus being taken out of their home. And the distinction is very important because under the McKinney-Vento Act that you were referring to, those kids get more support than a regular homeless student. And if they're not coded correctly, then they're lost in the system. What are some of the blind spots you've come across in the way the system treats these kids? Well, for one, there's so much shame associated with being an unaccompanied homeless youth that when they're acting out in school because they're so angry about their situation or they're putting their head on their desk, refusing to do work because they're so exhausted from having nowhere to sleep or thinking about where they're going to eat, we should be having conversations with them of how can I help you instead of what's wrong with you? Let's and a, please continue. Sorry. And, and to me, that's a major blind spot because kids don't act out for no reason. They're acting out because something is going on in their life that they need help with. Let's talk to Lori calling in from New Jersey. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for calling in to join the conversation. Oh, thank you so much for having my call or taking my call. I, I just applaud this conversation. I think um, I have experience with homeless youth in New Jersey, particularly like 18 to 21, but I also worked with population of, of trafficked youth. Um, and I think the point, what, call, what, what stop, made me stop driving and call in was that Im immediately, you know, your conversation says, how does a young person get on with their life when they can't get their birth certificate from an abusive parent? Um, it just it just drew me right back to the work you know that I have done and and do and I think there's so much for the public to understand about this problem that youth are you know that they, they they can't take the the reins of their life and I think you just started to talk about what's wrong with you versus how can we help you I think a covenant house 
um, the the guiding principle was to per, you know a trauma informed approach with a youth who's been through it to put them in the drive back in the driver's seat. What you know what are your goals? What can we do to get you there? And um, I just applaud the woman who's doing this work. Uh, I, I think it's it's amazing. Lori, thank you for calling in. My guest is Vicki Sokolik. The name of her book is If You See Them Young, Unhoused, and Alone in America. So, you know, you're very, very candid in the beginning of your book that you, you know, you started this by, you got started with this by sort of overstepping <laughs> with someone. You got very, <laughs> you're describing, you're very involved with a family and helping them find a home and deliver meals and um, help them move out of a motel into a house. And you acknowledge, in reality, what I had done was self-serving. Suddenly I wasn't a restless stay-at-home mom ruminating in regret and guilt. Whenever I thought back to Chalet's reaction when I unveiled the house, I felt empowered and useful. Why was this important for you to tell us at the start? Um, Well, you know, it was only in hindsight in looking back that I recognized that what I was doing was trying to control a situation because my daughter was going through a medical issue that I couldn't control. Um, But, you know, sometimes the best things come from, you know, building a lotus flower, which starts in a horrible, you know, Mm -hmm. pond. And, I thought it was important to be authentic because the kids that tell their stories in the book, each one of them, which is so, you know, what they have been through is so traumatic and horrific and yet so inspirational. Their writings are incredible. I had to be authentic too. If they were going to be vulnerable, I needed to also be vulnerable. I thought that that was important, not only for them, but for me. Part of your work has been engaging with officials, government systems on behalf of this population. There was a young man who, when the judge asked him what, why he was there, he just sort of clammed up and didn't say anything. And you had to explain. And, and the judge was understanding once someone explained. And had you not been there, who knows what have happened to that young man. You've had a mayor call you and ask you, like, how are you doing this? How are you making this, these differences? And how can I get involved? Um your organization start your organization starting right now. Um, she was very interested in that. When you talk to the policymakers, and especially ones who are genuine, who want to help, what is it they've been getting wrong? What is it about the approach that has not helped? Bottom line. Well, I mean, for one, the very first time that I testified before the House of Representatives, they we're under the assumption that these kids automatically go to foster care and they're not eligible. I mean, in foster care, they have to prove abuse, neglect, or abandonment. And it doesn't mean that there haven't been cases where they've gone into these homes, but because they haven't done anything, eventually the student says, forget it. If I don't leave, I'm never going to be able to leave. But I also think that, you know, if you take the Medicaid law, for example, the way it was written before we got involved was that you either had to have a family, be in a family, or be disabled. And what I said to the representative that was helping me, if I take this law at face value, what you're saying to me is get all your girls pregnant and have the boys cut off a limb. That doesn't seem like that's a great idea. And 
you know, when you say it that way and when they can really understand the issue, they're willing to help. I mean, I think part of the problem is that most of the policymakers are not on the ground doing the work and don't really understand the problem. And my hope with the book is that now people will understand the problem and will help. I mean, Florida's leading with laws that have been changed for these youth because of SRN's advocacy, but that is not true in other states. My guest is Vicki Sokolik. The name of her book is If You See Them Young, Unhoused, and Alone in America. Listeners, if you are ever a homeless youth or unhoused youth, give us a call, 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. We, we would love to hear your story. You don't have to share anything you don't feel comfortable with. We just also want to just check in and hear, hear how you're doing. Or maybe you've been on the other side, you've worked with kids in these situations. You can call in and tell us what challenges you've seen. 212-433-9692, 212-433-WNYC. We got a text that says, as a former Covenant House employee, the documentation is a huge issue for minors and is needlessly difficult to navigate. Let's talk to Adrian, who's calling in from the Upper West Side. Hi, Adrian. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Alison. Thank you. And thank you to the guest uh, for this important issue. So I just wanted to bring in another facet of this that I've encountered I volunteer for the Alley Forney Center, which is an organization that caters to LGBT homeless youth in New York City, um, where we uh, currently uh, have something like 40% of homeless youth in New York City identifying as LGBT. Obviously, that presents its own unique set of challenges um, that are, uh, I find, sometimes not addressed by a lot of organizations that uh, cater to uh, homeless youth in general. Uh, but of course, these are present their own unique challenges and uh, at least at the Ali Forney Center, we try to provide these um, clients, which we call them clients, but homeless youth with uh, services, social services, as well as housing. Uh, but I wanted to see if your guest has any sort of insight as to um, how to deal with the whole LGBT issue when it comes to homeless youth, given that it is a high percentage of them that identify as LGBT. Um, and unfortunately, uh, find themselves in situations, uh, you, you know, maybe that's why they got kicked out of home or maybe mm -hmm. they didn't feel safe, et cetera. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because we do see a, you know, large population of LGBTQ um, youth in our program. But our program is unique in that we have a holistic approach, no matter why you come in. Um, we're trauma-informed care. We give stable housing. We give academic support. We give social services to make sure that the kids get mental health treatment and medical treatment. We do programming that is very um, trauma-informed so that the kids can deal with anger management and mindfulness and meditation. And honestly, what I have found is that no one needs to necessarily be treated differently. They just mm -hmm. all need to be treated individually with care. And so that's the approach we take. Um, we are a very inclusive, safe house where everybody is accepted no matter what. 
And, you know, it's so, I, I wanted to go back to the birth certificate mm-hmm. um, issue with the minors because um, so many of the parents will not release the birth certificates to the kids. And in Florida, we now have a law that unaccompanied homeless youth can get their birth certificates as minors. And without it, you can't get a job. You can't take your SAT. You can't, mm-hmm. you know, go on. Um, we have done everything to make sure that our kids have everything that they need to reach their potential because now we have kids in our community that are EMTs and paramedics and firefighters and nurses and social workers and teachers. And they are completely inspirational and in that I guarantee that they are amazing at their job because of everything that they have been through. Let's talk to Abby calling in from Riverdale to share her story. Hi, Abby. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, you know, I almost started crying because it uh, reminds me when I was 17, I'm 57 now, when I was 17, there was nowhere to go. There was there was no place to go to. There was no information around. And um, I ended up having to sell my body for money. At that point, I was doing drugs and alcohol. I'm now sober 32 years, but um, I, uh, I'm so happy to hear that there are more uh, that there's much more support now because back then there wasn't and it almost killed me. And um, so I, uh, I just wanted to say that I appreciate this being on the radio, being on your program and that people are trying to make a difference because that makes a difference to me. So thank you. Abby, thank you very much for being so candid and for calling in. Vicki, in the work you do for kids who have been or feel very distrustful of adults, they feel very distrustful. Sometimes there's a race barrier. You know, there's there's some testimonials in your book. And one young woman says, why is this white lady asking me all these questions? <laughs> but you have to ask certain questions to be able to help them. How do you establish trust? You know, trust comes from showing up when you're going, when you say you're going to, from your actions and words aligning and being there when they need you. And it's not something that happens quickly, but if you continue to make sure that your words and actions align, the kids start trusting you. You've built a 24-unit facility where homeless youth can live, where they can get resources and structure, room checks, chore assignments, and you assured them they weren't losing their freedom, they were gaining a community. Why is that important for those kids to understand? I mean, so many kids have been stuck in situations where all of their freedoms were taken away. Um, Maybe they weren't able to go to school because their parents made them stay home and babysit younger siblings, or they moved so many times, were evicted so many times, there was no stability. And, And so that is important. But what we teach in our program is that freedom comes with education. It's with choice to be able to do anything you want to do, no matter if it's military, vocational training, or higher education. That's where freedom comes in. Do you have any point when you know you have done all you can do? Do you have a personal barometer on that? Oh, that's so hard because um, I never want to give up on a child, ever, ever, ever. However... I do realize that there are some kids who just aren't ready for the help. Mm -hmm. But what I look at is that 
we plant seeds, we give them life skills, we give them stability, and hopefully they take those seeds with them. I mean, we have a 98% success rate mm-hmm. of keeping kids and getting them on the track they want to go on. Um, but there are some kids yeah. who just are not ready for the help. It's a terrific book. It's called If You See Them, Young, Unhoused, and Alone in America. The organization is called Starting Right Now. My guest has been Vicki Sokolik. Vicki, thank you so much for the work you do. Allison, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really honored and so delighted that this topic is being discussed. There's more all of it on the way right after the news. <laughs> 